back to another edition of the podcast. Uh, this is a special edition. I'm not doing an interview right now. Uh, I'm with my NHL analyst, Nolan Thode. Nolan, uh, you know, thank you again for coming on. We've done this a couple of times. This format obviously is weird. Um, I would say that we're actually quite used to it because Zoom is the new normal. It's part of the new normal. Uh, Nolan, thank you again for coming on. What have you been up to during quarantine? Uh, not a whole lot. You know, I got that part-time job at McDonald's and I, I haven't been back there. You know, I, I took a leave of absence because my parents just wanted me out of work and I haven't gone back. So after school ended, it's just been a lot of, I don't know, video games. Sports have helped in the last week since they've come back and I've been in my cottage. So it's nice to enjoy the outside while I can. It's, it's good being out here because with all the restrictions that are on, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's normal out here. Just going out and enjoying it enjoying the day on the good old uh, Muskoka Lakes you know and getting into our you know discussion here like you said you are quarantining or quarantining at the cottage uh what what have you been doing during the day I mean during the day it depends so I was up here with like pretty much like my family and then I have a guest with me uh Curtis Collings co-manager of the Hayden hockey team but um Pretty much just boating, you know, jet skiing around, getting a lot of swimming in, just whatever I can do to stay active. We brought the Xbox up too, and uh, so we've been live streaming a bunch of MLB games too. So it's it's been good. We've been keeping ourselves busy for sure. And with MLB, you know, they have uh, injected the crowd noise, which NHL has done as well. What are your whole thoughts on that? I mean, as a sports fan, I I personally like it just because I don't know it. When you're watching a game, most of the time you're watching, but there are times where maybe you'll be focused on something else. And if there's no crowd noise, really, you don't really know what's going on. But sometimes, like back before, uh, the pauses of everything, if I would watch a game, say I'd be on my phone and have a hockey game on, I'd hear the crowd start to get ramped up and I'd know to look and it'd be an exciting part of it. And I I think it just adds an element. Obviously, uh, a lot of people were excited for the – hearing the sounds of the players on the ice. I know you were specifically, but um, I do think having the crowd noise, it just makes it feel a little more authentic, even though it's not the ideal, but definitely, I, I'm definitely in favor of it. You know, I was, look- I was looking forward to hearing the chirps, to hearing all that trash talk, because uh, with this whole coronavirus pandemic, it has brought something upon us that uh, with sports, we've never seen before as sports fans. We can yeah. actually hear the authentic crack of the bat or the authentic rim around the boards with the puck. So it's something yeah. special for me uh, and for every sport fan to hear what we are hearing today. Mm-hmm. When, when it first came out, the formatting and stuff like that, without any fans, I saw some comparison. It's going to be like a high school hockey game. And it kind of is, really. Like, there are fans at high school hockey, but for the most part, it's just you're in the, you're in the arena, you can hear all the sounds, and uh, it's definitely special. Well, you know, with that high school hockey point, uh, it sucks because as of right now, as we're recording it on July 30th, uh, you know, there hasn't been an announcement by HSSAA or OFSA uh, regarding high school sports, fall sports, winter sports, spring sports, all that nonsense, or, or not nonsense, but all that, that topic. And I'm just hoping that uh, in the coming days, we get some sort of announcement because all these athletes have to train for their sports. Exactly. It's, it's going to be a very tough year. And uh, for myself, I play hockey, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with any league that I would be able to participate in. And it, you got to think, we're, we're in a prime age, we're in grade 12, and for us, 
it's academically, but for the people that are athletes, this would be a huge year for them. This is their last chance at maybe getting a scout's attention. And now uh, this has happened. And I think um, could be a prediction, but I feel like if, if sports don't really come back this year, or if it's just like um, uh, smaller seasons, I feel like some athletes will opt to, to not go to university this year and do a grade 13 to see if they could get uh, a scholarship somewhere. Um, so I feel like the competition next year could be very solid. A lot of grade 13s in the league. And with uh, the great, you know, grade 13 point, it's, I do think that a lot of people will come back and, you know, uh, you know, academically upgrade their marks, but also yeah. try to do uh, sports on the side because sports is what brings us all together. We saw that with the HSSAA Tier 1 Championship, where literally all of Hayden packed into that arena, or at least the majority of the school did. It was disappointing not to see everyone in there, but uh, it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, I, I just – I can't think of a game being played at that high of a level without fans, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, pers- personally, unfortunately, I was not at the game. I had a uh, chemistry test. So yeah, apparently, helped. like, every science student was just <laughs> screwed that day. Yeah, I had a chemistry test. But from the videos I saw uh, of, of the game and the goal by Cam Smith that was scored – or Smythe, or Smith. Smith, Smith. Smith, Smythe was the other camp. Yeah. Um, just the, the crowd erupting after the goal, it's electric. And you can definitely tell, even though it was a close game, uh, the Hayden players definitely fed off of the intensity from the crowd, and that probably hurt Nelson late in the game because they didn't really have too much going for themselves. How do you think that, you know, a team will feed off the crowdless energy or, you know, the injected crowd for going into the playing rounds? Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult because when, when the regular playoff starts, uh, you got the President's Trophy team. They got home advantage throughout the whole playoffs. And that's a big thing. Having three or four of the seven games in your home rink, uh, it, it can go a big, it can go a long way. And now there's, that's kind of been lost the home ice advantage. Um, there was, there was a, uh, they have like a little thing. So the home team gets like the last change, but that's so, about it, but that's about it. Uh, you don't get the fans and for teams like uh, Vegas, uh, Toronto, even in the playoffs, it's electric uh, like Boston, like teams that just have passionate fan bases. That Nashville, you gotta, you gotta mention Nashville. Cause with their, was it section 303 that starts those chants? Yeah, Nashville fans are in it too. I mean, you just, it's definitely, um, that advantage is lost and we're going to see a lot, uh, potentially, like, could be more upsets. Uh, just, it's, it's a lot even of a, a lot more even of a playing field just because there's no home ice advantage and uh, there's, there's nothing to really read off of. It's just pretty much your own team and your own uh, momentum that you carry into the game. Like, when, when a team scores a goal, when a team would score a goal in like a like a OT game last year in the playoffs, you can hear the first people to react are the players on the ice and the players on the bench, and we'll be able to hear that a lot more and a lot more clearly this year. And I think it'll it'll be an interesting thing. Well, see, going with that point, you know, St. Louis, uh, when they won the cup, you know, all their players were like, you know, fuck yeah, we just effing won and all that stuff. And then I heard from Greg Wisniewski on Twitter, uh, he tweeted out saying like, oh, there's going to be like a, you know, a three-minute muted 
uh, part during the Stanley Cup final when that team wins because they have that sec- seven-second delay of, yeah. uh, you know, to mute the player's curse language. So that could be something what that, – that's a legit possibility. I think definitely on the side of NHL fans that have parents with er, – that are parents with, with very small kids, like, sure – Maybe you're going to not want that. Maybe not want your kids to hear it. But for me, as a sports fan, if a team wins the cup, I want to hear them passionately running around screaming because I'd be doing the same. And I think a lot more authenticity is going to come out of players and a lot more personality is going to be shown during the play-in and the playoffs. And with that personality, you know, they are going down the NBA route with the uh, attire being casual. If you were an NHL player in the bubble, what would you wear on game day? I mean, uh, for the teams I've played for in my life, it's typically been like a formal, like dress shirt and tie attire wear. Um, and I think, I think that's in terms of sports, that's my ideal. If the whole team is wearing that attire, but I would rather a lot more casual if it was going to be half and half. I would rather have all my players in casual attire and half of them in suits and half of them. But for me, I mean, I don't know, because you're living in the bubble. You got limited time. You got limited clothes, I guess, unless you're PJ Tucker who brought like 200 pairs of shoes to the end. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Crazy. I mean, I don't really know what I would wear. Maybe just my Oilers t-shirt, you know, roll up to the game. Just in a bucket hat as well. <laughs> Just make it work, you know? And, and it's interesting. I, th- I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run for the NHL because the NHL, I think, as a sport, it can sell. Hockey is a very entertaining sports, sport. But the thing that it lacks compared to other leagues is definitely the personality. Um, like NBA players, they have their own brands. They have their own shoes more than NHL players would. And I feel like having that expansion would definitely help. Um, broaden the uh, viewership of the league do you think that the nhl should incorporate like an mlb's players uh nickname like on how they have like players weekend they you know the mlb players can create their own nicknames and stick it on the back of their jersey do you think that's something that the nhl could look forward to i mean nhl like a big thing for like pretty diehard fans is you know typical you know typical nicknames but um for a lot of casual fans, they wouldn't know that. And I think that would definitely make the league more exciting. Uh, I guess I can tie this, but when you say putting the nickname on the back, I don't know if you know, but two nights ago, Ethan Bear. Yeah, he had Cree. He had Cree symbols. lettering yeah. um, on the back of his Oilers jersey. And it sold, like, it sold like a bunch of jerseys. It went out of sale. And now they had to do online shopping for the Oilers. Um, I think that's really interesting. And it made me think, like, what if player, like, what if, uh, like a Japanese player was in the league and they could have the Japanese writing on the back of their jerseys. I feel like that'd be a lot. I feel like that's, that could be something pretty cool um, moving forward and just like more customization in terms of that with players being comfortable with what they want to put. And you're also reaching to that next level of audience, right? Because if you have Japanese letters on the back of your jersey, you're going to reach out to Japan, right? And get, you know, you get those fans. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's, Right now, it's pretty heavy in North America. They've been trying. They've been doing um, like the the global series. I think that's been helping for the NHL. It has. I I don't know how much success it's had in uh, China for the preseason, but uh, countries like Sweden and Finland, it seems to be uh, pretty successful. 
and now you got a bunch of players coming and 40 years from now I'm scared the team Sweden roster might be able to compete with team Canada more than I'd like more than I'd like in the the Olympics you know with these playoffs they are the most healthiest uh, we've ever seen and honestly I think that's what it has uh, you know it, it's hyped up because of that uh, do you agree I mean yeah definitely um, players are healthy they've been given a three-month break uh, they've they've had training camp for sure, but the difference with these playoffs is the first round of a regular playoff. It's some of the best hockey of the season, really. You got guys who are excited, trying to win the first round. Once you get your feet into the playoffs, you can do anything. So coming off training camp, these players haven't played a real game except for these exhibition games. I feel like it could be sloppy for a bit, and for in injury wise, um, you hate to see it, but I do believe. There, that there's potentially going to be some injury with this, just coming off of three months, not really playing. But I think as a sports fan, looking into this optimistically, you, you got to be excited for every roster to be as healthy as they can because teams in the past have, have had amazing seasons and lost because of health issues when the season's at, at, at its end. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that for sure. Uh, you know, I really disagree with the NHL's ruling on the unable to participate or unfit to play rule, whatever the, uh, you know, specific wording is. Um, yeah. That's just me. I'm a traditionalist. Uh, Pre-COVID, uh, you know, we knew about everyone's injury. And now yeah. with this whole coronavirus, I do understand there does have to be that fine line of confidentiality, which everyone talks about. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I disagree with the rule. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's made for a lot of uh, controversy and uncertainty because Pasternak, for a couple practices, he was unfit to play um, and he seems to be good and back on the ice now, but maybe that would have drawn some concern for players because or for fans because they didn't really know what was going up with him and they wanted a lot more uh, information on what was going on. But it has to be confidential just in these bubbles. These players have to be protected, I guess. I think that the team that's going to win the Stanley Cup this year, and this goes for any league during this coronavirus pandemic, is the team that stays the healthiest. Do you, Would you yeah. agree? It's definitely going to benefit them a lot. A lot of the NHL rosters, a lot of the top teams are complete teams, but you take away one piece and it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I agree for sure. Uh, you know, we can look at uh, – like Colorado, I think that if you take away Kill McCarr on the back end, like that whole defense is just, it's not good. It's not uh, a top tier defense that people should be aware of. Yeah. You lose a guy like that. It's tough. Um, speaking of Colorado, they've had some injuries to a bunch of players this, this, um, this season, Landis Cog, Miko Rantanen missed time, even McCarr missed time. And McKinnon had an injury near the tail end, but the, the, uh, Coronavirus kind of saved him because he had that three-month break. So hopefully they can stay healthy, and I, I do think they can make some noise. If they who do you or who would you say is your dark horse uh, for the Stanley Cup? My dark horse for the Stanley Cup. I mean, I want to say Edmonton. I like Edmonton. Good, solid roster. I think it, it it's it's not complete yet. But what I think about the Oilers, I think they do have a contending roster, but it's it's not there yet. Give it a couple of years and they'll be better. Uh, dark horse candidates, anyone that comes in from the play-in, I guess, uh, playing that five-game series and then playing a 
team that just played a round robin can be somewhat of an advantage because you're kind of getting used to that playoff hockey before they are. Um, but for a main dark horse, I think a team that uh, isn't one of like the top, top teams, like a Boston or a Tampa or a St. Louis, I honestly think, and I'm riding on their momentum from the end of the season, Philadelphia has a really solid roster. And come the playoffs with Oscar Lindblom on their back, they're going to be using that as motivation. Uh, I definitely think they can make some noise. And they were playing great this year. And the system that Vignol, Alain Vignol, the uh, coach from Quebec, um, I'm sure you'd want him under the Canadians bench. But he, he's, he's been very good in Philadelphia. Well, I think that my dark horse would have to be Arizona. Just like what they've been through these past couple weeks with John Chica completely. Like they literally called John Chica a quitter. But I believe yeah. that um, I wouldn't call John Chica a quitter if he quit for a better job, you know? If he was going to get yeah. paid more and get more responsibilities, that's just not my definition of a quitter. But, uh, you know, Arizona plays a great defensive style game. Uh, you know, the series against Nashville, this playing round is – uh, you know, documented as going to be a tight defensive series. It won't be as offensive as people may think. Uh, yeah, that's just my dark horse. You know, you got OEL on the backhand. You got Barrett Hayden, who's probably going to play a couple games. Um, you know, you have uh, Clayne Keller. Absolutely. How can we not talk about Clayne Keller? I signed Phil a big the thrill. Fill the thrill. Yeah, exactly. You got Phil the thrill, who's going to be shooting down his right shot. You know, he has a wicked right shot. Let me tell you about that. Uh, they, down that they, right they wing, it's crazy. They need him to step up for sure. He had an off year this year. Let's just mention that. You know, it's probably one of his worst years. Uh, if he wants to redeem himself, this playoffs is definitely a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, going from playing with Malkin and Crosby to Nick Schmaltz and <laughs> Vinny Henestrosa probably isn't the most convenient of changes. But I think once he finds his footing – I mean, the relationship he has with Rick Tockett, that's the reason he ended up in uh, Arizona. But I, I, I definitely think he's an intimidating presence. I know playing against him um, as an Oilers fan, every time he gets an open look at a shot, it has a chance at going in. And that's a big part of the reason why the Penguins won two cups. Why do you think the reason uh, – why do you think that John Chica quit on the Coyotes? I mean, it's it's tough. I I think a lot of things are going to come out as time goes on, but uh, definitely the pursuit of a better opportunity. I think just that Arizona organization in general, it's a tough one as a sports fan and as an NHL fan. Hockey in Arizona, it's just a tough sell. And uh, he, he's made some moves to try to make the team more successful. Like on paper, they're probably a lot better than they were when he came in, but um, just the on-ice success and probably just disagreements with other people in the organization caused him to look look in the mirror and say that he could probably find himself in a better front office, and that's why he decided to leave or quit or however you want to put it, uh, leave the Coyotes, I guess. Yeah, he also made the move for Taylor Hall, which was, you know, big for the Coyotes team because, you know, when you're in such a low-end low, low end market at, such as Arizona, getting Taylor Hall will bring fans to the arena. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a guy like that, it's huge. And um, another reason that could have led to the, uh, the quitting was the, negoti the negotiations between Hall's agent and Cheka the uh, there probably wasn't a whole lot. I don't believe Taylor Hall wants to be in Arizona long-term. I believe he wants to go to a team that can pay him a lot 
and that can compete because Taylor Hall, he's he's been given the play in this year. But other than that, in his nine-year career, he's only made the playoffs once. So that's a guy that wants a lot of success. Um, but making that move, it was definitely interesting. And at the time of the move, they were one of the they were top team in Pacific. Uh, Darcy Kemper was playing like a Vesna, and it looked like a really good move at the time. And whether or not I think it, it was a good move or not, the, the, this play-in round will, will tell. Because if not, I, I think Taylor Hall's ready to leave. And do you think that Taylor Hall would end up signing with Edmonton? Because how crazy of a scenario would that be? I mean, it would come full circle and make the Adam Larson trade look maybe a little bit less bad. Um, definitely having a guy like that on the on the left side to play with either McDavid or Dreisaitl. He had, he had a little bit of chemistry with Dreisaitl in the time that they had together. Uh, it would be great if he could come back. Uh, however, we got guys coming up. Yamamoto is going to want money. It's, it's going to be tough to bring him in. Personally, I think the team that he probably goes to, and it's, it's odd because I've been saying that he wants to go to a contender, a playoff team, but I think a team that has money to sign him, uh, L.A. Going and living in L.A. for him, L.A. is a nice place to live. A lot of players go, go there. Uh, it's, an attract, like, it's an attractive place to live. Um, they have somewhat of a bright future. Uh, they got the number two pick this year, bringing a guy like Byfield. Uh, I think Stutzla's going to. It depends who you want. Uh, but they definitely are an option. And I'd say right now that's my front runner for Hall to go there. Um, but Edmonton's up there too. You got to think teams like maybe St. Louis, if they don't re-sign Petrangelo, they can try to bring him in. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting free agency. And I was looking at a list the other day, and there's actually some underrated pieces. Like, I mean, Petrangelo and Hall jump off the page for sure. As but there's also, there's also Brain Holpe. Yeah, you got guys like Braden Holpe. Like, he was phenomenal only two years ago in the playoffs. He was a two-time Vesna winner uh, within the last decade. I think the team that gets him, he's going to make an impact. You also got guys like maybe Toffoli if he doesn't re-sign in Vancouver. However, I think they like him uh, enough. And guys like Justin Schultz, he's, he, I don't think Pittsburgh has the cap to keep him, and he's a solid guy that can come in and play in anyone's top four. Well, speaking of cap room, uh, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes didn't really have any cap room to sign the old-time famous John Forslund. Uh, you know, yeah. it's hockey, baby. Uh, it's yeah. just crazy to see such a great commentator when you flip on a Tuesday night, you know, Hurricanes game. He's probably not going to return as the voice of them anymore. I know it's tough. And personally, um, due to whatever it may be, I haven't watched as many Hurricanes games within the last decade as uh, other teams. But for me, I'm familiar with the voice uh, of specific teams that I like. And for Hurricanes fans, he's been with them since 1995 broadcasting. He's been with the franchise since 1991. So it's definitely saying goodbye to a legend. And um, right now they say he's going to work for NBC in the, the play-in um, just because he wants work. I, but I do believe from, from the quotes I've seen and the whole situation, I think he, he's, he wants to remain loyal. I feel like he, he if the contract was there, would want to stay in Carolina. But um, it's just definitely an unfortunate series of events what happened. Yeah, like I would, you know, as just a casual fan, I don't watch as many Carolina Hurricanes fan or Hurricanes games, I should say. Um, and, you know, just hearing his voice, he's been such, he's been around the league for a long time. Everyone recognizes his voice and 
you know, having that spot empty and not having yeah. it filled by John Forslund, just it doesn't add up. Yeah, and Edmonton's always my number one, but my dad and brother are both big Buffalo fans. So anything, Rick Jenneret is as loved as some of the players on the team. That guy's yeah. a legend within the team. And um, obviously Carolina hockey, there are some fans there, especially within the last two years with the storm surge, they've made a lot more interesting. So it's definitely going to be a big loss if he can't come back because I know as a, as Sabres fan, that might be my Eastern conference team. If anything were to happen, and especially like, it's just sort of like a messy ending. It's not like he's retiring on his own terms. It's just like there wasn't a deal to get done. And speaking on that RJ point, uh, I believe it actually is his final season upcoming. Uh, you yeah. know, Rick Jenneret is going to retire after uh, the next season. And it, it's going to be some big uh, shoes to fill for the next guy that's upcoming. For sure. Rick Jenneret, you, you think of any, and probably I'm, I'm more familiar, and I guess you because your dad's a Sabres fan as well more familiar with a lot of Sabres highlights, but you think of Sabre highlights, like you think of May Day and you think of the cup run and stuff like that. Rick Jenneret just ties along with it in that voice. So it's definitely going to be big shoes to fill. Um, I, I believe it was this season or last season, he had the incident in the hospital. So I believe that he loves hockey. He loves the Sabres and he's passionate, but he, he's well-deserved a retirement. For sure. Speaking of commentators uh, that are moving on, Chris Cuthbert uh, signed a deal with Sportsnet, uh, moving on from TSN and uh, his duties uh, CFL on TSN. Uh, you know, that's a big name uh, for Sportsnet to bring in because their TV ratings haven't been the greatest. So I just believe that it is a deal to try and increase those views. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. They're, they're trying to make moves and Sportsnet – I mean, when I was younger, it all, I always grew up, TSN was the sports network. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'd wake up before a good old 9.15 start at CRB, and you'd watch the Jay and Dan show from 8 to 9. It's just, especially with you and me living so close to the school, you could be there right till the end of it. Um, but recent, in recent years, and I think a lot of it's partially due to the, the uh, deal with the NHL and Sportsnet, They've definitely made strides and are, are, are making a name for themselves to potentially surpass TSN for the number one sports network in Canada. I just think it would be weird uh, if the CFL does return because they might fold because of this whole coronavirus because they haven't been uh, officially getting aid from the government in which they have asked. But uh, yeah. hypothetically speaking, if the CFL does continue, it would be weird not having uh, you know a game that's called by Chris Cuthbert because he does uh, CFL games weekly. Yeah. He's a big CFL guy. Um, and, and speaking of CFL, this whole coronavirus thing has definitely put their season on hold. And uh, it's interesting. They're, they're attempting potentially maybe doing like a bubble format in Saskatchewan. I've seen was proposed. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But the CFL thing, I, I, I think like for him, he's such an iconic voice. He did all the great cups pretty much through the last um, – however many years he was with TSN, but it, uh, I, when I was doing research on him, he, it said that uh, after Winnipeg won the Grey Cup uh, last fall, sadly, against the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, that March he had, he had, uh, he had uh, done the play-by-play -play for every single team winning the Grey Cup, and Winnipeg was the last team. So that's just an iconic guy, and you can see the longevity in his career. And obviously a nine-team league, 
isn't the biggest but to have announced the championship of all those is big and another iconic voice but another iconic part of his career was the golden goal that's probably what he's known for worldwide more than potentially cfl and a big part of him going to sportsnet is because he wants to be able to broadcast hockey again nhl games and that's something he couldn't do with tsn so he, he definitely prioritized hockey over football uh because he's 62 and Sportsnet has the NHL rights for another six years, so he'd be almost 70 when that, that contract's up, so he's got to prioritize what he wants now and uh, see what he can get. But I think it'll be a good addition to Sportsnet, and I'll be excited to hear him doing some hockey games for sure. Same here, man. Same here. I am excited to, you know, finally hear his voice again, especially calling hockey, because I think that's what he's really good at. He's yeah. well, you know, we mentioned CFL and how good he is at that. He's called all, like you mentioned, all nine uh, championship games for the nine winning teams. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's just a great commentator all around. Yeah. Both you and I know a, a good commentator can make or break a football game. Uh, hopefully, the CFL can find a good replacement. I swear, if they sign Booger McFarland somehow, I'm going <laughs> to jump off of a bridge. But yeah. It, commentating it's underrated when when there's a good commentator it's just a part of the game you're kind of feeling it but when it's a bad commentator it's definitely you can definitely see it and for for sports fans sports fans like you and i we know the player names we know things but for casual fans a commentator can help a lot telling oh for sure yeah telling, telling them about stats who's having a good stretch of games who's an x factor and it just goes a long way and i i i'm definitely going to be sad to see him leave uh for the cfl because big tie cats fan watch a lot of tie cats games but definitely i think hearing him doing nhl games will be a good thing with this whole coronavirus pandemic you know the nhl nba and mls have both all agreed to do the bubble which you know in turn has made their coronavirus cases very low i believe uh nba is under five or maybe under two or zero i don't know uh, yeah. NHL reported zero the other day. MLS has also reported zero, but the NFL and uh, MLB are both in a complete turmoil right now. Uh, if you could agree with me there, uh, you know, Marlins are now at 19 COVID cases. Uh, the Phillies just got two positive COVID cases, I think today or, mm-hmm. or yesterday. Um, so the Phillies and Toronto uh, Blue Jays season has been postponed this uh, this weekend, um, yeah. and then the NFL they're going to go traveling. What do you, what could you do? Like, do, which I think bubble is the way you have to go. I mean, uh, from the MLS, NBA, and NHL, I think uh, I'm not too familiar with who the commissioner is of the MLS. But I'm not too. I don't either. Adam Silver for the NBA, and Bettman, who shocked us and actually did a really good job with this. They're level-headed and um, they understand. And the bubble has proven to be good. You got guys like Goodell and um, MLB. Rob Manfred. Yeah, 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 Manfred. They, um, well, Manfred. I don't know. That's been a definitely a interesting. Manfred has completely solidified himself as the worst commissioner in all of sports. Yeah, uh, yeah, and well, with games like with games like baseball and uh, football, I feel like. It, it might be a little bit harder to have a bubble just because the rosters are so much larger than that of the NHL and NBA. But um, it's, it's, 
The stats are the stats. Like, if you, if you're a player, one of the reasons Stephen Price opted out was because he knows that there's going to be positive COVID cases. Okay, yes, positive COVID cases are fine. But when you get 19 of them on one single team, especially after they played a season, yeah, it's and and it and it's it's like that. You need to have control, or else it can spread right away. Uh, With the NBA, NHL, knock on wood, but right now they seem to be. They seem to be moving along smoothly, and they're going to have resumptions of seasons. But uh, with the NFL, is there going to be a season? With the MLB, what's going to happen to the rest of the season? you got teams like the Marlins and the Phillies and the Yankees who are missing out on games now, and are they going to have to make it up with doubleheaders later on in the season? I think you got to go winning percentage. That's the best way to do it. You, you can't really um, you know, reschedule these games. They're playing 60 games in 66 days. The grind for the players is tough. The mental grind, physical grind, mental grind. Like yeah. every, You have to factor all of these things in. And, you know, just sure. you can't make this stuff up. This stuff is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's unprecedented, the times we're living in. And... Uh, Short-term impacts, yeah, we're seeing them now. But long-term impacts, it's I, it's changed the rest of our lives pretty much just from this one outbreak. The way we live, it's going to be a lot more cautious. And the way sports are too, uh, it's 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 kind of miraculous the way that they've been able to deal with it. I do think they were returning this year. I was a firm believer that, you know, everything was getting canceled, cancel the season. I'm, I'm very yeah. surprised they're back. Yeah, because they've made amazing strides, but without – the, but without what they've done, it, it, it's a, it's really hard to it's really hard to resume the season and be a lot easier to just call it and try to have a successful season next year. You know, because there will be positive cases. I understand that, but if you can at least mit, like ha- mitigate it at you know like five, that's fine. But when you get when you increase it, when the numbers just keep increasing to nineteen and then almost twenty, it's out of hand. Yeah, for sure. Like, in small numbers, it still can spread for sure, but it's a lot easier to protect and quarantine. Control, yeah. Players. But when it, when it grows, and especially with the Marlins now, Florida, Miami's a very – it's like a hot spot. And uh, that Marlins team, it's going to be tough for them to like, do a full recovery. But I should say, uh, you know, the Marlins didn't even play Miami. And the, and uh, to further my point, it's so weird uh, and wacky about this because, you know, the Blue Jays were visiting the Rays the same weekend uh, this whole thing happened. And, you yeah. know, none of those teams, none of the Rays or Jays player staff management tested even positive. So, yeah. you know, all of it wasn't done in Philly and Atlanta because uh, Marlins season, uh, you know, they had a couple of exhibition games against the, the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, that's when they started to test positive. So it's crazy, uh, you know, to think about, okay, well, Miami's a hot spot, jump to conclusion. But actually, if you look at the season, they didn't yeah. even play there. So, you yeah. know, it's crazy. It's, it's such a hard thing to predict, for sure. It really is. You know, um, we, who, let's go with uh, – let's jump back to the NHL here uh, and start with really the playoffs and, you know, our why we're discussing this. I – with the playing rounds, like what? What's your outlook for each team? My outlook for each team. Yeah. So, or like we could do a select few. I mean, just give me a team, and I'll give you my thoughts on them. I got, I got some notes on each team and what I think they can do, and whether or not they can make any noise. Well, let's start with Dallas. I would, uh, I would like to. Dallas. So 
Dallas, I, I, I only watched their exhibition game today for a bit, but honestly, they were missing Sagan. I'll give them that. But they, did, they didn't look really good against Nashville. Nashville beat them 2 nothing. Um, and I don't know. I, but I, I do see them as a dark horse just, just because maybe people aren't talking about them as much. But last year, they were a goal away from being St. Louis. Yeah, uh, I know. They it's have a pretty much scored. Yeah, they, they have a very similar roster to that with the addition of Joe Pavelski, who's a very good, just two-way guy, a solid center, good veteran presence. Uh, and then Ben Bishop, That's he's, he's one of the top goalies in the league, you know? And he's freaking massive, man. Yeah, I mean, it's intimidating. Of course, skill is more than size, but I'm sure you've been aware from your time playing hockey, playing against a goalie on the other team that doesn't even fill the net is uh it's a lot less intimidating than playing against you know a brick wall kind of guy i i must agree with that there i i you know i've had multiple experiences where that definitely checks the box i would also like to talk about florida who also i think is another dark horse yeah i'm Florida. i have them as dark horse but um i think i think their success completely depends on sergey Bobrovsky. it I, I think they have a solid enough roster. I think, like, forward-wise, they got pieces like Huberto and Barkov, Hoffman, Dadanov. Those are solid guys that, that can produce offense. Defensively, maybe not the best blue line in the league. Yandel's not bad. Uh, Ekblad, say what you want about him. He, 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 can, play, he can play pretty good minutes. Um, but Sergey Bobrovsky, he was paid $10 million a year last offseason, and he deserved it at the time, the way he played with – Columbus was amazing, but he wasn't that this year. But I do think if he returns to that form, they can definitely win a couple rounds for sure. And I do think about that contract, like, you know, the emergence of Spencer Knight will be coming in the I next mean, couple of years. So they're going to be paying Bobrovsky, you know, in the final three, four years of his contract, $10 million, which is probably what the Canadians will run into with Caden Primo. Yeah. I mean, it's when, when you have, arguably the best defense or goaltending prospect in the NHL and a guy like Spencer Knight, and you're already paying your starting goalie $10 million and he still has six years left on that. Definitely not a great situation. In my opinion, goalies are so like, hit or miss. They're hit or miss. They're hit or miss. You got, you got the elite of the elite guys that can be solid. But other than that, you can get a solid season out of a lot of, a lot of goalies. Like a Darcy uh, Kemper, everyone underrated him. You even look at a guy like Andrew Hammond. He he was the number one goalie in the league for like a couple weeks, but fell off completely. You got guys that just like there's the rare the Hall of Fame goalies. They have good careers, but other than that, any going into any given season, it's 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 you're unsure of what a goalie's gonna do. So I feel like obviously you're a Habs fan, you might have a different opinion than I do, but I feel like putting a lot of money into goaltending. Like I would, I would rather have have money put into like a depth forward or defenseman than pay a uh, a really good goalie a lot of money just because. And, and like Florida, Florida and uh, Florida, Montreal, and now Tampa Bay is going to be paying Vasilevsky. They got a lot of money tied into goaltending, and it, it's hard when your goalie's making ten mil to fill roles other places. Well, I think, like, Montreal's chances to win the Stanley Cup here are just, like, they're slim to none. And honestly, it's it'll be surprising to see if Montreal actually does win a game. Uh, obviously, they didn't have much firepower against the Leafs, as we saw. 
Uh, you know, they did play sloppy, but every team played sloppy in their exhibition game, I yeah. think. Um, you know, yeah. it's just because uh, no one really cared. No one had anything yeah. to play for. Once this playing round starts, everyone's going to, you know, amp up their uh, intensity. I mean, I hope so. I, it, it, for, if you're getting hockey for 10 hours a day, you want it to be entertaining for sure. Um, and speaking of Montreal, I think Carey Price is the only way that they – they have any success, whether it be in the play-in round or potentially past the play-in round. Uh, it's unfortunate because they are playing a team like Pittsburgh, who I think is too good not <laughs> to beat Montreal. Um, but Montreal is one of those teams, like, because they're the 24th team. <laughs> they, they're going to pull, like, an LA Kings. I mean, they could. They, but but uh, after the draft lottery – the uh, the play-in got the number one pick. Definitely makes things a, a, whole, a whole lot more interesting. And teams like Montreal. Uh, who, has, who has no business being in this year's playoffs. No, none at all. No business being in the, this year's playoffs. It's not a bad thing if they lose in the first round. It really isn't because you do have that one in eight shot, right? Yeah, one in eight shot at Lafreniere. It's going to be interesting. As, as, soon as, it was, as soon as it was the number one pick, I was actually um, in a place that didn't have any internet. So I completely <laughs> missed the draft lottery. I missed the draft lottery, and for me, I don't like that because that's something I like to watch. I just like the uh, suspense and just seeing who can fall where. But when I finally got back into internet, I turned on my data, and I saw Kings number two play in round number one. And I said, holy, the number one pick got the, is, is going to be a play in round team. And then I just went through each team, and I was like, Alexi Lafreniere is going to be on one of those teams. And it's crazy. And the, the only team – to be honest, where I really see like it fitting well is is Montreal. It's a storybook ending because think about it. A Montreal got the draft canceled; they were supposed to host this year, and yeah. B he's a French Canadian. I mean, like you know yeah. those two those two aspects right there tie the story together. For me, I mean Montreal is not one of my favorite teams in the league. <laughs> I am an Oilers fan, but I do like to see Canadian teams being successful, and I think. Gaining a guy like Lafreniere, especially to Montreal, that would benefit them a lot. They do need, uh, you know, a top winger or just someone to uh, entice uh, free agents to sign there. We know yeah. the struggles that Montreal has with uh, signing free agents because there's not really uh, anyone to, you know, we have Carey Price and Shea Weber, but, mm-hmm. you know, they have no one else. They don't have really a foundation, right? The foundation's not there quite yet. It will be there in the future, not there quite yet. Yeah, I mean, they got good defense or er, forward uh, prospects. Suzuki's played a full season. He he looked great. Um, they have Caulfield coming up, Paling. Cool Caulfield. Uh, you got a couple. I, I still think Lekkonen's potentially a solid piece. I like him. Armia's huge. Fast. You see his PK. Armia's great on the penalty kill. Tim is Byron. I mean, you got, you, got, you got a pretty young forward core, uh, but I think – what they've been missing probably since even Saku Koivu, you could say, is just that, that, that pure number one guy that can, that can carry an offense on any given night. And I think Lafreniere for Montreal would be good for not only the Canadians, but the NHL in general. I think so as well. But and also going back to your point, like seeing all the teams, just it's ridiculous thinking like, okay, Toronto's going to get them, Edmonton, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like you're seeing all these superstar teams and Sean doesn't even need them. Edmonton doesn't need them. Pittsburgh doesn't need them. Uh, you know, I got to think that 
Although it's yeah. exciting to see a plain round team win the draft lottery, like it, it, it should have went to one of the teams that bottomed out. Yeah. I wanted him going to Detroit, Ottawa, maybe a team that needed him. But now you look at teams like Winnipeg, like Nashville, they don't really need a guy like Alexi Lafreniere. And speaking of Winnipeg, they, the, um, I think it was, was it, Slot G or whatever that won the draft Yeah, lottery. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was their pick. It was Winnipeg's pick. And just thinking of adding a guy like Alexi Lafreniere to an already loaded offense uh, with guys like Shifley, Wheeler, Line A. It's phenomenal. Ehlers even. Like, it would just be crazy. And there's only, like, I don't know. I Other than Montreal, there's no team where I'm like, yeah, he deserves to go there or he fits there. Well, I'll end it off here. Uh, Nolan, what's your Stanley Cup final prediction? I'm got, I got to go with Colorado and Boston. Colorado and Boston. All right, that's not bad. Who do you have winning? Colorado? Yeah, I, I got Colorado winning. I, I just think that with the emergence of Nathan McKinnon, with everyone being healthy on that roster, like you mentioned, they suffered uh, – Gabriel Landeskog, Landeskog suffered an injury. Miko Brandon suffered an injury. McKinnon's back to his normal self. McCarr's going to have a superb – uh, you know, playoffs, he's going to win the Conn Smythe and uh, the Calder Trophy. He's going to bring in those two uh, awards and then the Stanley Cup as well. That, that would be a great – that'd be a – I'd like that. McKinnon definitely deserves a cup at some point. Uh, I'm going to say in seven games, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. Okay, that's some bias. No, I'm not – I'm not going to say that. Um, there's so many solid rosters. Um, I – I'm going to go with maybe a little bit of a controversial pick. I'm going to say that the Tampa Bay Lightning finally exercise their demons and they win the Stanley Cup and they beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights. In the oh, that's an interesting know. choice. I, I just listen. Vegas shouldn't be as good as they are. They're only in their third year. And as an Oilers fan, when we play them a couple times a season, it's just tough. The last time we played them in the season, we got shut out. And it's just a horrible feeling to get shut out as a sports fan. Um, I just really like their roster. I think I think St. Louis is really good. Um, Tampa's got to cup at some point, man. They have to cup. Like, my opinion with Tampa now and the Dodgers of the MLB is if the Dodgers never win a World Series with this team, and if Tampa never wins a cup with this team, those are going to be some of the best teams of all time to have never won the won, won their championship in respect. I agree. I, I fully agree with you. Yeah. Actually, uh, one final point. We uh, didn't touch on the Seattle Kraken. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. how cool is that? Do, do you like the name? I love the name. I thought it was better than, like, you know, the rumored sock guys or, you know, Totems was another name. I, I did like the Totems, but I think Kraken kind of ties it all together. I mean, I definitely think, like, there probably could have been a better name that I would have liked better. But from the short list that Seattle came out with, I believe it was, like, a year and a bit ago, I do like Kraken. And I think for an expansion team coming in, uh, Vegas, Vegas because they're from Vegas, sold because it was that exciting. But a team from Seattle, they need to have this exciting kind of branding. And I think Kraken uh, is really doing that. And it's it surpassed Vegas for expansion team sales. Uh, I think that's a lot better than them having like a 
more like generic name like the emeralds or like you said the sockeyes or something like that i believe kraken definitely exciting and uh another another point another name that was potentially with the seattle seals or the oh, Seals. I, I never heard that I, I it was in the short list and uh a point that was made by the hockey guy on youtube was that you can't be the sea lions or the seals because your rival is going to be the canucks and orcas which is the Canucks logo, they eat sea, seals and sea lions. However, now you got an Orca versus the Kraken. Seattle's looking favorable in that matchup for sure. How do you like their whole logo and their whole branding? I mean, their logo has grown on me. Uh, I, like I, like it. They, I like it a lot. I like how they stuck with the traditional S because the Seattle Metropolitans was the first, mm. team, first American team to win the Stanley Cup in, I don't know, early 1900s. So... I think sticking with that and making it some like having the tentacle uh, on it, I think it's really nice. I love the secondary logo, the anchor with the space needle in it. Yeah. And I think I think their colors it's unique, and I, I I personally like it. It's good as an expansion team. They went with their own kind of color set. It would be uh, interesting to see because I'm pretty sure uh, the expansion rules would be different because, you know, Vegas did take full advantage, and the league did uh, realize that it was a tad bit unfair. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so tough for Seattle. I don't think they're going to be able to compete off the bat like Vegas did. Um, it's crazy, though. Every team has to give up players except for Vegas, and Vegas is a top top team in the league, so that they're taking advantage of that. But I think even looking at some of the players they can get, I think they'll have a solid enough roster. But for me, if I was the GM of an expansion team, I'm not looking at competing year one. Um, I'm looking at competing down the road, getting picks, building more like like building a good prospect pool like you look at vegas vegas had three first rounders in their first year they have cody glass who's now playing on their team and then they had nick suzuki and brandstrom who are in montreal and ottawa so they they took a completely different route and they traded their prospects for good players um and i think that's what vegas needed to do in a city like vegas being a good team, a successful team in year one definitely helped them because now they've built that fan base. It'll be interesting to see how Vegas brings in fans if they're not a successful team. Well, I'm pretty sure, uh, as we see with Buffalo, like their whole arena is empty. So you got to imagine that if Vegas does, you know, go on this five-year drought, hypothetically, or, you know, when they do, you know, fans won't show up because, you know, fans want success. Yeah. And especially in a city like Las Vegas, that's such a, exciting city um and going to like a vegas game right now is a good thing because they're a good hockey team but i feel like if they're not successful like say you put a team like like the detroit red Red wings from this season you put that in vegas a lot of people like the tourists in vegas and even the locals they're gonna be it's gonna be easy to find more interesting things to do for sure. Well, I'd like to thank Nolan Thode, the uh you know nhl paycast analyst for joining me on today's paycast thank you again nolan no worries. I'm, I'm, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Pegs. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. I hope the Oilers beat the Blackhawks. I hope we have a great playoff. And uh, we'll probably hop on for a recap podcast at some point in time.